And I shared these that Sunday morning. Divine appointments, be looking for divine appointments, creative assignments, and eternal connections are going to happen while you're in India. And that's why some of the things I want to talk about this morning. Uh, those three things the Lord gave us to be on the lookout for, those things. And sometimes you can think um, divine appointments are, they're not necessarily big um, glorified holy moments. They're not. Uh, they're simply appointments or assignments or connections with people or situations that God has just put in your pathway for His kingdom purposes to be fulfilled. The first example is, is on our flight from New York to Delhi, which was a direct flight. Um, never been on a plane that big in my entire life. I mean, I could get you know, three houses in that plane. But we were toward the back of the plane. and um, But before we were loading, we were going through the security line, and this little girl was, um, I think Sarah struck up the conversation with her. Um, she, Sarah's never met a stranger. Her, her name was uh, Andrea. But she was a little, we found out she was a little missionary all by herself. 19, 20 years old, heading to uh, the southern part of India to hook up with another mission team that's working with children. And so we talked, they talked going through the security line and all that, and then uh, once she was in another section of the plane, we didn't see her again until we were having to go through and get out uh, the process of getting our visas stamped and all that, and, and she was in line with us again, and... Um, but the Lord put her in our pathway. Very confident young lady. Very brave. Young, never, never been out of the country before. But God put her in our pathway for us to encourage, and we did. And we actually stood in the lobby of the Delhi airport and, and, and prayed for her. Uh, now, we were encouraged to pray with your eyes open. And, uh, and we did. And we actually were able to help her a little bit financially. So... That, that was a divine appointment. For whatever reason, we may not even see her again, but we sent her to South India covered with prayer. Okay, we did. Divine appointments, creative assignments, and eternal connections made in, in, in uh, Manali. Manali is way north. That's where the picture of the Himalayas is. It's a little village that sits down in the valley. But there's also uh, uh, the Kulwi tribe village is near that little city also. Some of the people we met, we have pictures of some, uh, some I couldn't, couldn't find again. But we met a couple by the name of Shures, Shures and Sarah. They were a married couple that had been working with YWAM for years. Youth is, with a mission is very, very big over there in India. Been there for a while. And they're now feeling uh, a call to go out further. And they were friends with Linda, our missionary friends. And all Shires wanted, he said, I just need you to spend 10 minutes with me. Just spend 10 minutes with me and my wife. So we went to their little apartment. And we could tell they were hurt over some relationship things happening. But they were feeling the call to go further out, further in, uh, taking the word further out. So there was an eternal connection there. There was a creative assignment to give encouragement to that couple 
their heart was to do the work of the Lord while they're there. We met uh, a couple named Elias and Glory. Now, Elias is a, is a teacher at a school there. Actually, it's a Christian school in Manali, Daystar School. It's been there since about 1985, I think. Um, and he just needed encouragement. He just needed encouragement. So he invited us. You don't just meet someone. It, it's like there's such a spirit of hospitality in India. They, they always invite you for chai, which is a tea. And it's got a lot of milk in it, a lot of sugar in it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, hey, it's good stuff. It really is. And they always have little cookies or, or something for you. So they invite us to their home. And so we're sitting in their home and just minister, another chance to minister to a couple. Uh, he'd been teaching for years. Uh, the Lord gave me, gave, us, uh, gave me a word of knowledge about him writing. And he had written stuff years ago, but it's like the Lord said, encourage him in his writing. So we did that. There was another couple, um, uh, I believe I got this right. Um, it's uh, Gopal and Mira. Mira is the one that taught our friend Linda Hindi while she was in India all those years. She'd go in the home and she's, uh, she's crippled. And she paralyzed so she can't move, but she's, she's, we went up into their little uh, apartment, about four flights up, <laughs> and just uh, sat in her little living area, and she was so happy to see Linda. But they've got a troubled teenage son. And, and so we, pray, we prayed about that. We wanted to pray over the son. He came in and out. Um, you could see the anger on his face, going through something. So everywhere we went, it was like, we need to encourage these people. We need to give encouragement here. Doctors, Laji and Dr. Sheila, a married couple, gracious doctors of influence in Manali and the community, but choose... Choosing to serve the poorest of the poor. Six years ago, Dr. Sheila had a vision to build a guest house in India so that missionaries or others could come to it and find a place of peace and rest while they're ministering there. And come to find out when we were trying to book and find a place to stay, that place was built. Again, it was connection with Linda, our friend that we went with. And it was from Do no, it was from Dr. Sheila's uh, guest house that that picture was taken. But again, another another couple that is just giving their their lives to the Lord, uh, a doc, doc, two doctors below their guest house. She she has a a, um, a clinic, a free clinic, and Dr. Lodge has a free clinic. And I've got some more to share about that, uh, where, where they're going to be moving some things to. But just giving of themselves. And he's very, very well-known, very influential guy. Had a wonderful time talking with him uh, after dinner one evening and, and for over an hour, and it just went like that. I mean, the time just went like that. 
about things of the Lord, things, things of the Word. So many different subjects we talked about. Then there's Bruce and Claudia McLean, another eternal connection made. He, he is a pastor and, and his wife, um, who actually began a, the, the footprint of the work in, in Manali in 1996. They're also the ones that invited us uh, to come over with our friend Linda. And we made a connection right away with he and Claudia. He is a, 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 an architect by trade. But such a love of the Lord and the love of the people. And he was with YWAM for years. And they're the ones that said, would you consider going way north near the Himalayas? And check this place out. And he said, yeah, I'll go. And he went by himself. He wasn't married yet. He went by himself. And just fell in love with the people. That's a God thing. It's a God thing. I'm going to share a little bit more about what they're doing there. Um, that, um, that picture's... I need... Uh, Picture number two, if it's up there. There you go. That's me with my three amigos, except they don't call them amigos in India. <laughs> uh, the one on, on the left is, is Pavan. Uh, the one in, uh, to my right, uh, the next one over is Cable and, and his brother Breast. Uh, there is... Three young men that Linda helped disciple while she was there for the eight years, coming to know the Lord. And they are now heading up uh, a ministry there. It's called the Himalayan Trust Fund. And I'll, I'm going to share a little bit more about that, about what they're doing. But just three just very gracious, hospitable, love the Lord, love the Word and know the word, and they teach the word. And they go out in, uh, two of them are going out even further to unreached people groups. Um, and th those were the connections we made in Manali, that, that town up by the Himalayans. This next picture is, um, is in, it was, was taken with a group in um, Shillong, the very little guy on the far left is Pastor Moksha. With the smile, Pastor Moksha. And his wife, Kirtalin, uh, is on, the, my, on this side. That's Sarah and I in the middle, in case you didn't know. We were always head and shoulders tall. Even Sarah was head and taller than anybody we met. That The other couple... He is an electrical engineer. We were invited into their home for dinner. The pastor said, I'm, I'm going to take you to dinner in, into this home. His name is Oris, and his wife's name is Da. He has connections near Calcutta. And he had some business associates that he works with. And he helped 
convert this Hindu priest into Christianity. And this priest already had the land set up to build his temple. Now he's a Christian and he says, I am building a church for the Lord. That's unheard of. There are things happening, people. The kingdom of God is an increasing kingdom. You hear so much stuff that, you know, you think, where's where's the kingdom? It's alive and well. I'm here to tell you. Is it being persecuted still? Yes. But God is moving. Anyway, he connected with with that Hindu priest, and they're, they're building... On that land that was designated to have a Hindu temple, they're building a a church, a Christian church. And the priests, I guess they must be pretty pretty powerful over over their people. And it's like, well, if the priest is on board, then everybody else just starts coming in. They said, no, this land, they were trying to say, no, this land is for them. He said, no, I have seen the true God. Wow. I also met a pastor, Ronas. He was one of my translators. His church is halfway between Shillong and the the city we flew into, Guajate. Um, And on his church, and and on the way back uh, to Guajate to catch our flight, we were traveling by a cab uh, for about two hours, two and a half hours. Pastor Moksha flags us down, catches up to us. He said, I want you to stop. Follow me. (laughs) So he pulls off the side of the road. And and me, I'm a scheduled person. I'm looking at time when my flight is supposed to leave, how much time. I said, I don't have time to go to your church. He said, I understand. He said, but look across the street. And there up on a hillside was Pastor Ronas' church. And all across that roof line, you can, is Jesus is Lord. I mean, you couldn't help but see it. Jesus is Lord. And he said, that's the church I pastor. And we stood there and just... And then we, yeah, then I said, "Do we have time?" And he said, "No, you don't have time. It takes you got to wind around and get up there." And he said, "You'll miss your plane. You got to go." We had a young kid named Nicholas. He was one of my translators. Funny, 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 because he had never really translated for an American before. Um, English is pretty. I wouldn't say dominant, but a lot of people know English over, or at least understand it, even if they can't speak it. But uh, my, my first meeting that I was teaching at, uh, they had Nicholas, Nicholas, you translate. So I'd be saying something, and all of a sudden he'd translate, and everybody bust out laughing. And I, I said, I didn't say anything funny. <laughs> but he had mistranslated words. And it was, I mean, it happened several times. But they were training him to translate for Americans or for those that speak English. I told you about Oris and Da 
and listen, they've got a daughter. Let me tell you about Orison Da, the, 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 the guy that's the electrical engineer and building the church on, on a land that was intended for a Hindu temple. He has a prayer room at the top of his house. Um, um, it's about three flights up, and you actually go outside, and then you go back into a room. He said, I'm up here from 3.30 to either 4.30 or 5 every morning praying for the world. And he's got a map. And he's up there praying for the world. And he said, from, and from 9 to 9.30 every night, my whole family is up here praying and singing. And they've got a keyboard set up there, and uh, his daughter plays wonderfully. She's 15, 15 years old. So we go up there after dinner, and I tell you what, she starts playing, and the Holy Spirit, I mean, it's like we are engulfed in the presence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you. Yeah, she, she, yeah, she spoke, the daughter spoke perfect English. But just anointed to play music for the Lord. We told her, um, we recognized some of the songs she said, being from Bethel. She said, I love Bethel music. I want to go to Reading. We said, our son and daughter went to, went to Reading for Bible school. I want to go there. I want to go there. Such a hunger. Such a hunger. Uh, next picture. No, you had it right. Yes. That is Ricky and Lucy. No, Ricky and uh, Audrey. They were the owners of the guest house we stayed in in Shillong. Albana Guest House. can't tell you how precious those people are. Our phones would not work in Shillong. Nothing. No signal. Never got a signal. And we found out later, well, I found out later, it's because there's a military base there in Shillong. So I, you, unless you've got a local phone, any foreigners, you, you, you're not going to be able to communicate. They, they've got you locked out. Uh, but they... Um, went and put a um, changed a chip out and put it in Sarah's phone for us so that we could talk to my family and talk to my mom and dad my daughter Amy and others just very gracious people I would just give you the shirt off the back I mean they really would I mean, they, how can we help you? How can we assist you? Um, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm getting there. I want to make sure I haven't left any of these eternal connections out. Ricky and Audrey, Alvana Guesthouse. Um, next picture. Divine appointment. 
we actually, now, North India, Manali, like over here, you know, India kind of curves and go, uh, Shillong over here. You have to go back to Delhi, and then from Delhi, fly to Guwahati, and then take a, uh, a taxi to Shillong. So extremes. A, cu a, a couple in Manali said, we have friends in Shillong. We didn't know that was going to happen. And they need encouragement. They need prayer. I'm going to give you their number. Look them up when you're there. So we did. We got there and we called uh, Peter and Maria, working with YWAM. Been in Shillong for eight years. Needed encouragement. Know that they're, they're transitioning into something. They're not sure what it is. They're transitioning in, into something. They're trying to bring up a leader to take over for them with YWAM there in, in Shillong. Eternal connection. We spent two hours with them. And when Peter left, he said, I feel like I've known you all my life. Is that, those, that doesn't just happen every day. God had a purpose in establishing those connections while we were there in India. Next picture. I mentioned Himalayan Friends Trust that was begun by Bruce and Claudia and, and you saw the three guys and they actually helped run it. Um, but part of the Himalayan Friends Trust and this is another miracle that took place there. Himachal Pradesh is, is, is the state that Manali, the city of Manali in and Himachal Pradesh is a anti-conversion state. You can't stand on the corner and preach Jesus anywhere. Now, if someone starts asking you, and, and they see how you're living your life, and you've got an end, that's another thing. But you cannot just stand on the preach corner and, and preach Jesus. Yeah. But Bruce put this Himalayan Trust Fund together, it was the first one ever in that state. And it's like having a 501c3. And, and I read part of the articles of incorporation for, for this trust fund. He can do, and it got approved by the state assembly. He can do just about anything he wants to do. He can even, it talks in there about, I, I can talk about um, Jesus. Just Jesus. Not Christianity. I can talk about Jesus. I can, I can form a school. I can form a clinic. I, it was amazing what all he got put into that trust. And it's just wide open for him to do. First time ever in that state that that happened. In India? Well, I don't know about India. But, uh, but first time in, in, in that state. So Himalayan Friends Trust... Uh, from that, they can they even go out into tent meetings out 
out now outside of Hamachal Pradesh into the neighboring states, and they put on tent meetings, and they've had hundreds in attendance, hundreds, literally, hundreds in attendance. And he preaches the word. That he and, he and uh, he'll take cable with him or, or breast or sometimes all of them, and they're preaching the word. And at the end, he said, now, I'm going to prove to you that God's word is true. He is the healer. He is the deliverer. And if he doesn't, we'll pack up and never come back. So people start coming up for prayer. Healings take place. <laughs> Deliverance. I mean, people are being delivered from, from uh, demonic activity and all that and, and coming to the Lord. And, and I mean, it's, it's a faith walk with them. It's a faith walk. And they've been doing, doing those tent meetings since 2009. Child, um, and, that, and they opened a, a child care facility, and Linda was instrumental in just getting that off the ground um, when she left six years ago. And they got, I think, over 20 kids, and they had more signing up the week we were there. And they're not necessarily Christian, but they know they take good care of children. And, they, and, and the parents are bringing their children there because they know they will be well taken care of. Uh, the next picture. That's just a little part. A work in progress. That's, that's actually the headquarters for Himalayan Friends Trust. The bottom right over there, you still see, see the child care. Uh, the next floor up is going to be part apartment. And, uh, and the second floor is actually going to be a surgical clinic for Dr. Laji. He's a surgeon. A clean facility. And it's, it should be open. Uh, they were just about ready to open toward the end of July into, into August now. And the, and the next floor up is actually going to be a conference center for teaching whatever. You can teach about Jesus because it says they can. <laughs> Wonderful work going on there. They have also in that, through, through the state, uh, through the country of India, they have what they call child line. And it deals with, and it's, um, there's a national number you call, kind of like a 911 if you know of a child that's being put or maybe has been sold into child labor or you notice your neighbor's child is all of a sudden just missing, because parents will sell them into labor sometimes or they run off. Child line is meant to get those children out of that labor or human trafficking, yes. Himalayan Trust Fund applied for and got permission to host for, for that area uh, of the country, Childline runs 24-7, and they get calls, and someone is there manning the phones 24-7. Um, I didn't put the picture up, but there's actually bunk beds in the office because they spend the night. They're there by that phone no matter when the call comes in. And they go, and, and they investigate to make sure the claim is true. They... 
Um, um, they have uh, people who they call runners. And uh, sometimes the police are in cahoots with the ones that are in child labor or the people that are employing them. And they, the, the investigator will see the child, recognize the child because they've had pictures or whatever. And they get the police involved and all of a sudden the child is no longer to be seen. Or sometimes the child would take off running and they actually have runners employed by a child line that will run the child down and catch him. They're called runners. And that's what they do. They're fast because they're fast. A great ministry. And I got to teach the child line team while I was there. Some are Christian, some were Hindu. That are part of that, that, that team, the child line. And I taught, taught on, and I only did like the tip of the iceberg on a, a t- teaching I heard years ago by Derek Prince on eight aspects if you want God's best. And I ran over those with, with, with that child line team. I was able to teach them about wanting God's best, about focusing on Jesus, meditating on his word, making friends with the Holy Spirit, learning to hear the word of God and obeying him promptly. Uh, being careful what and how you hear and being more concerned with the eternal than with the temporal. And learning to let God choose for you. I, I went over those things and, and it's like they were just soaking it in. I got to teach my, my three amigos, Pavan, Brass, and Cable. I got to teach him on, on some, some of the uh, first part of uh, uh, kingdom principles of leadership. They won't be back next year for a week-long seminar. Pray that that can come about because they want to bring in more people, more pastors, more leaders. Cornell, did that video ever come in? Well, let's start it and, and let's see it, see if it happens, please. If it's not good, we'll just stop it. This is in the Kului Church building. Sit down to teach. I thought you were going to see more of the people. But the people just sit around the room. It's like it's like just a big square room. They sit around. They sit on the floor. There's mats. There's pillows. Uh, some sit cross-legged. Some sit with their feet straight out. Uh, I was constantly rearranging myself. But a great time of teaching in that little Kula. They call it Kuluwe is the people of the village, the Kuluwe church, Kuluwe people. 
It's a church of about 40. Wonderful spirit. Love the Lord. Can sing. They can sing. At Christ's Tabernacle Church, I was, I was asked by Pastor Moksha. He's, he's the pastor of Christ's Tabernacle Church in Shillong. My first meeting with him was about 8.30, 9 o'clock, the first day we were there at night. And he said, what are you here for? And I said, I'm... I'm here because God told me to come to this area of India. I said, I'm not looking for a platform, but the, the Lord laid this part of India on my heart. I said, I do have a little brochure of what I do. Whether or not you want me to do anything is up to you, but I'm here because God told me to be here. So the next morning... He calls me and said, let's spend some time together. So he picks me up a little bit after lunch, and we start driving around the city. And um, I think that next picture, yeah. And he actually takes me up to the highest point in Shillong, um, which was quite an experience. This, this is where I realized why I do not have phone connection. I had to go, we had to go through the Air Force military base to get to this highest point. And actually, the place where you enter to go up is actually privately owned. You just have to pass through the base to get there. So we went in one gate. They said, you have to go all the way through the base to the other gate and sign up. So we did. And uh, I was asked to leave my passport with them. Pastor Moksha tried to talk them. No, you don't need his passport. You just need mine. I'm the driver. And they said, no, his passport stays here. He was a little bit concerned. I'm thinking, no fear. I got warriors looking after me. If I don't make it off this base, hopefully somebody will let Sarah know. <laughs> but we, then we have to drive back to the other side the gate we came in, because that's where the entrance is to the highest point. And we go up into this area, little area, and there's little, uh, just little market things there. Um, but there's two towers, like two twin towers, and they're not very, maybe 30 feet high, but we start walking up one, and we're the only ones there uh, on this particular tower. And, um, and he said, this is Shillong. And he starts showing me the city down in the valley. This is Shillong. So I just stretched out my hand and I start praying over that city. Never been able to see a city like that before. Just, just seeing it. Then we walk down, we go up to the other tower, and uh, I think that's where I took this picture. Um, and it's hard to see, but it even spreads out more. Shillong spreads out more, but it's down in that valley. And it was established by... Um, the British way back. It's very westernized, um, very heavily in Presbyterian and Christianity. Um, very little Holy Spirit, 
although I'm going to tell you a story of what's some things that have happened there. Um, and the first time I shared at a mission, another missions conference that I was heading to Shillong, one of the missionaries said, why? They already, they already have Christianity there. Why are you going there? And I looked at him and I said, because God told me to go there. <laughs> what else am I going to say? God, God told me to go there. God's telling you to go here? Go here. God's telling me to go to Shillong. In 1906, if I've got my dates right, in the little country of Wales, there was an outbreak. There was a revival that took place. The same, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's like an awakening happened, an awareness of God and the Holy Spirit. That same time it broke out in Wales, it broke out in Shalom in 1906. And there's stories still told about what happened in that city. Now, 50 years later, in 1956, revival broke out again in Shalom. Shops closed down, bars closed down, kids, I mean, just falling asleep under the power of the Holy Spirit and just dreaming about the Lord. In 2006, 50 years later, the same thing happened. Only this time, some, some of the denominations didn't like what was going on. They, I don't know if there was fear of the Holy Spirit and what's going on. But it got quenched. didn't last as long. But it showed up 50 years later. Just, it's like, just like clockwork, here it is. Here's the revival. Here's, here's the awakening. That's what Pastor Moksha wanted. He said, it's, it's time. It's time. And I think this past time, um, there was concern. The same thing was happening. Children were just falling asleep, staying asleep long periods of time. And, and, and some of the, they would try to wake them up. And they said, no, don't wake me up. Don't wake me up. But they're, they're not, they're not, they're not yeah. I think it's I, something happening in Shalom. Something happening in the city of Shalom. A little side note, the whole area and maybe this is why I felt so at home. The whole area looks like North Georgia, mountains. Even the trip up, winding around the hills. I, that's, that's where I saw the red dirt of India. It's when I came into the state of Meghalaya in Shillong. The Lord told me in 2003, your feet will walk in India, in the red dirt of India. And I said, red dirt? I had seen a picture and I couldn't tell. Well, some people may think that's brown, but it's red to me, so I'm going. It was red. Red dirt of India. I thought recently, I wish I'd canned some of it, brought it back with me, but I didn't. But that day, Pastor Moksha and I 
drove around, drove up there, drove back down. We talked about a lot of things, even the politics of America. He brought it up, I didn't. We talked about different presidents. He would wonder, what about this president? What about that president? And he looked at me, he said, I've read your brochure. And the Lord had showed me that I need what's in this brochure. And my people need what's in this brochure. And he said, pretty much, I've set up four teaching places for you. That's an honor. That's not something you just go in with. Someone you never met before. Tried to have one conversation on the phone with him. And that's hard. It, it, he speaks English, but it's broken English. And it's hard to understand him. But I had one, only one conversation with him uh, before I, I, we left the States here. And uh, it was like when we met after that first night and after... After spending time together, it's like, God, that, there's that connection. There's that connection again with us. I made three of the teaching sessions. One was going to be at night. Uh, I had, it's like um, three days in a row I, I, was, I was teaching and ministering. It wasn't just teaching. Afterwards, there was just ministry happening. And um, uh, after the, uh, the third day... Uh, uh, he wanted me to go somewhere that night, and I, I, honestly, I, I was just spent. And I knew the next morning we had to get up and try to catch our uh, and go catch our plane, travel and catch our plane uh, out of uh, Guajate. But God opened so many doors for us, unexpected doors. Unexpected connections, unexpected appointments. And I want to speak just a little bit about that. I want to speak on some things that we're, some of the things we have come to realize about this trip. And I say some because Sarah and I, we're still decompressing and processing everything. It's like this morning God showed me, you don't realize it, but when that happened, I know you spoke about warring angels watching over you. He said, but it's like he gave me a vision of what was happening. He, they were just fighting off stuff on behalf of Sam. So we're, we're still processing everything that happened over there. One thing we do know, God had us there the whole time to encourage others who were going through difficult situations, be it ministry, be it personal, be it relational, even business stuff. He had us there encouraging people. Can I tell you the number of times that we quoted or, or read, opened the Bible or read, or even paraphrased Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That scripture just, it's like, that was the foundational thing in each situation we went into for encouraging people. Second, the eternal connections we made were for a purpose then, but we're coming to realize they are for a future purpose too. All those connections. Another thing we realize, 
Sometimes God's appointments and assignments are just very simple in nature. Sometimes, like I said, we, we tend to look for big things in our eyes to, to do in and for the kingdom of, uh, of God. And when he simply says, I just want you to give a cup of water. You do that simple thing, you're fulfilling my purposes. We have to be willing to just give that drink of water and know that, Lord, show me that, and, and to know that He has someone or some others in place behind us and even before us that have been part of fulfilling that purpose too. It's not just fulfilled through me, there are others that come in behind me or that have gone before me. Just be willing to do the part that he gives you to do. And then say, okay, where's, where's the next assignment? Where's the next appointment? Where's the next connection you want me to make, Lord? And another thing we realized... We connected easily with the culture. And, the, and there were actually two different, actually three. Delhi is, is a culture unto itself. Manali is another culture. So long, even though they're all in, it's like you're, it's like coming, it's like this southern boy in 1979 went from uh, uh, Albany, Georgia to Southern California. Never in my life been west of the Mississippi. That was a different culture. And it's, it's that way. We saw that in the end. But God easily fit us into each culture. And it confirmed in us because we're kind of different missionaries. We're called to the nations, not to one particular country. I didn't quite understand that, but I'm beginning to. We fit easily into Russia. We fit, I fit easily into Mexico when I went. I fit easily into Honduras. We, we fit easily into India. Galatians, I mean, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, and around verse 20, Paul, Paul talks about being all things to all men. It's, it's like God has given us the ability just to walk in and make those connections. And I appreciate that. And I honor that. And we try to honor that wherever we go. I want to um, thank you again for all your prayers. For the time in India and particularly returning and everything that was happening with my mom. Praying for my family, my brothers, my sisters, my dad. Talked to him yesterday. He's doing well. Grieving is a process. Talked to my brother the other day. I've had, he said, I've had a couple of moments. I said, me too. I said, I was wanting to call dad, so I got out my phone and punched in contacts and just did what I normally do. Mom and dad. I said, well, I probably need to change that. And I, I almost started, I said, no, I can't change that yet. It's just dad. I know it's just dad, but I can't. 
got to process things. Got to walk through them slowly. But I appreciate the prayers. I can't tell you how much. Sarah does. Sarah lost a mom too. She was a mom to Sarah. But I want to encourage you that even here and now and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day, there are divine appointments waiting for you. There really are. You don't have to be in India. I was there because that's where God told me to go. He's working on some other countries I'm supposed to see about going to already. There are creative assignments designed just for you. Be on the lookout for them. And there are eternal connections that are to be made by each and every one of us. Eternal connections to be made by us. Now I'm going to put a couple more pictures. Show that next one. Lighter side. Okay, Sarah, what's happening here? We were walking. This is Manali. We had just crossed the bridge, and we walked everywhere uh, most of the time in Manali. Uh, and uphill, downhill, steep hills, paths. Um, believe it or not, I lost about 20 pounds in India. I somehow found it all back again. <laughs> but... But anyway, we stopped, and I didn't put it up there, but there's another picture. The next one is Sarah petting, petting that little lamb, goat, or whatever it is. But the lady said, I said, can I take your picture? She said, yeah. So anyway, next one, and I'll let, I'm going to let Sarah come up and share on this one who this is. Come here. Ate. You don't need me. <laughs> she, she did. Had, she had a really infectious laugh. She is Cable's uh, Cable's wife. She's one of the. Um, she's the pastor's wife, and she is the sweetest thing. She's a nurse, and uh, we enjoyed her. The one thing I feel like I took away from it is, and and it's happened before, but this time it really, I wasn't real excited about India. I didn't really want to go, but I went because. I belong to Morris, and, it, and it, the Lord said for Praise him to go, God. and I didn't want to get left behind, so I was running with him. I'm always sort of like two steps behind him most of the time, but, um, but God showed me that if you have a willing heart, he'll, he'll open it to use you. And so when I say, we took a 15-hour bus ride through the mountains up to Denali, people go, 15 hours? But you just have to, I, I thought, I can do anything for 15 hours. I can do anything I want. And so I chose to get on that bus. Was I scared? A little. <laughs> More about the bathroom situation than anything else as a woman. Tell the one experience about the bathroom. Oh, we, <laughs> well, on we, the, on we the stopped trip up, not three the trip times down. going up. About every five hours, he stopped. The first time we read a... A restaurant area, second time at a restaurant area. Third time he pulled off the road up this little hillside and he speaks in Hindi and Linda said, I think this is the bathroom. And so we get off and he's pointing. He just points up this path. And so Linda said, this is what you've always thought you didn't want to do. We're going to use the bathroom on the side of the road. It was the middle of the night. It was about four in the morning. And so... Uh, 
So we start walking in this uh, very wealthy, aristocratic Southern India lady gets off and she says in almost perfect English, could somebody show me where the facility is? <laughs> and Linda took her flashlight and just pointed toward a tree. The and there was nothing up there. She was horrified. <laughs> and we started laughing and we laughed all the way up. We laughed during the process and we laughed all the way back to the bus because it was just like we did. You know, but uh, if you're willing, God will use you. Even if it's going up to someone in the grocery store and saying, can I pray for you? That's right. It's that That's simple. Right. He just happened to send us there. That's right. Okay. Amen. Can't thank you enough. I mean, I'm serious. I, we missed, we, we certainly did. But just the prayers, how we felt your prayers. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. You know, it's real easy to uh, listen to that and go, man, that's nice. It's a great story. And not be impacted by it. It, it is easy. But I, I, want you to, I want you to take it in as a global perspective. We're called to change the world. We're called to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, now you and I may never set foot in India. We may never go to Africa. We may never go to China. We may never go to Mexico. But if you support or you sow into a ministry or you are praying towards that ministry, you and I get the same credit. And we as a church, we sow into their ministry. We sow into other ministries that go into other places. We get that credit. But don't let it desensitize us to not be open, to not be used by God, and to not have our eyes open. There's too much in the world at stake. There's too many things going on for us to be so tunnel visioned for our little area right here in Tifton, Georgia, to not understand that there's a bigger global picture. There's more that's happening than just right here. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we pray for all those churches and all those ministers and all those pastors that Morris and Sarah poured into over there. Father, we pray that you would open more doors of opportunity, that the gospel would be proclaimed in India, would be proclaimed in Shalom, would be proclaimed greater in Manila. Father, that you would open those doors, that, Father, that you would uh, grant unto thy servants more sincere, open doors, resources. Father, those connections that they made were not for naught. They were for a purpose. They were specific. And so, Father, we pray for open doors to go back to India. We pray that people from this church can hook up and to take a trip over there to take the gospel, to take part of our DNA, to take part of who we are over there overseas, Father. And we may be able to be a part of making a deposit into that move of God that we call forth and join ourselves with that pastor that the Holy Spirit would come once again like a rushing mighty wind and overtake that city in Jesus' name. Father, here we are. Use us. Mold us and shape us. But we are willing. We are willing to do and to go and to, and to preach and to say what you'd have us to go. Have us to say and have us to preach. Father, we thank you for their dedication. We thank you for blessing them. 
Thank you for the deposit that they have made into us this morning. Help us to have a global mindset, a kingdom perspective. So let those things which were shared, those seeds and those truth deposits, that they would begin to germinate and begin to grow in our spirit. Thank you, Lord.